Unofficial Bengals Podcast. Welcome to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. All right, this episode is going to be entirely dedicated to an interview with Corey O'Neill from the Grease Pole Podcast. He's also a member of the Fans First Sports Network, representing the Eagles, and he's a draft expert. What's up, Bengal Nation? This is Adrian the Mad Backer Ross, and you're listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. Who day? The unofficial Bengals podcast would like to welcome, from the Greased Pole podcast, Corey O'Neill. All right, so just like Christmas, once a year, it's actually more than once a year where I have this guest on, but once a year, this next guest comes on the show and just talks draft like no one else. I would like to welcome from the Grease Pole podcast, Mr. Corey O'Neill. Corey, how are you today? Frank, always good to be on, brother. You know I look forward to this every year. Me too, my friend. With that said, you know, let's dive right into the draft. So, Corey, I wanted to get your opinion on the first 10 picks of the draft, and then let's talk a little bit what the Bengals and the Eagles are going to do in the first two rounds. So I'm going to hand the floor to you. Pick number one, you're on the board. Uh, Carolina, it's, it feels like it's been one of these things for about a year. C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud. I think it's Bryce Young, quarterback out of Alabama. He's, he's the best quarterback prospect in this draft ran a pro style offense in tuscaloosa he's got all the intangibles you want um he measured at 510 and i believe a quarter or whatever that quarter inch is worth i always love how they put that in right like that's gonna well he's got that extra quarter of an inch there you know what i mean 510 204 at the combine you you like seeing the weight over 200 there i think if he's six foot or above um drew Brees, russell wilson this isn't even a discussion I think Carolina takes the top quarterback prospect in Bryce Young. You welcome in that Frank Reich era, and you get some excitement uh, around a new era of Panthers football. All right, what do you think about pick number two? Houston's going C.J. Stroud, I think. And it's weird because there's been these rumors of, well, the Texans are going to pass on a quarterback. They're going to take Will Anderson here. <clears throat> I, I don't think that's the case. Look, if you're Houston, you can't roll into another year with Davis Mills and you expect – to, if you're picking this high and you got two picks in the top 12, you have to come away with that franchise quarterback. So it's got to be Stroud for me, and I think it's going to be – it's much like Bryce Young. He's very consistent, effortlessly accurate as a passer, and he's athletic. He can be mobile if necessary. Like Bryce Young, he balled out at his pro day. They're going 1-2, I think, for sure, on April 27th. Yeah, it makes sense, and that's how the drafts have been in recent years. You, you take the top quarterback prospects early – what are you thinking with the third pick? Arizona, I've got uh, Will Anderson, edge rusher out of Alabama. He's uh, he's one of those blue chippers in this draft, right? You only you get a handful in, in each draft, and he's absolutely one of them. And he's probably uh, the safest pick in this draft as well. When you look at Arizona, you know, defensive coach now, Jonathan Gannon, our former defensive coordinator. J.J. Um, Watt retired, finally. Zach Allen signed with Denver, and you brought in Kazir White, um, Arizona did, who came from us. And he's not exactly uh, a pass-rushing linebacker. He was brought in because Jonathan Gannon's familiar with him. You need that pass rush. It's in a quintessential part of football, has been for years, even more so now. They ranked 23rd with 36 sacks last year, so you need that edge rusher 
premier position, premier prospect. Will Anderson's it for the Cardinals at three. Sounds good to me. What do you have the Colts doing at four? I got the Colts going Will Levis, quarterback out of Kentucky. And this is kind of a hunch uh, for me. Everybody, it's either Will Levis or Anthony Richardson. Um, I, I had, It's Trey Lance a couple years ago to San Francisco, third overall. I just had kind of a gut feeling. You know, I'm not talking to these organizations. I'm not Adam Schefter, you know what I mean? But just one of those gut feelings you get. And, you know, Peyton Manning come out and spoke highly of Will Levis. Obviously, he carries weight. Um, in Indianapolis. So, and he's a tough kid. He's built like a linebacker, 6'4", 230 pounds. He's got a a huge arm, can fit the ball in those tight windows. And when you look at Levis, he was inconsistent this past year, but both he and the Kentucky uh, program had a down year, and a lot of that was thanks to injury. So you kind of, when you really look at the roster in Kentucky, you can't really blame all of that on Will Levis himself, but he fits that prototype of what the Colts typically like a quarterback, that big body pocket passer. I think Richardson falls here past four and it's Levis out of Kentucky to the Colts. Yeah, I saw some footage on NFL Network of Levis hurling the ball around and he does have an arm. You know, I don't know, I didn't watch him play in college, so I don't know his all his attributes and all his positives and negatives, but it looked like he definitely has the arm strength to play at this level. So what are you thinking with Seattle at the number five pick? Seattle, I really wanted to get cute because their GM, John Snyder, is he's got a history of kind of doing his own thing, right? Marching the beat of his own drum. But I've got him taking Jalen Carter, a defensive tackle out of Georgia. He's value at five, fills a big need. He's another one of those. Will Anderson and him are the blue chippers on defense in this draft. Seattle's not afraid to take a guy that's got some of that stuff off field. They had a clean, excellent draft last year. I, I just think the reward outweighs the risk for the Seahawks here, and it is a massive need for them. And this is a guy that could have easily done number one overall had Chicago not traded out of it. Yeah, and that's the thing. Some of these players, when they have those check marks against them, they do fall in the draft, but that does not mean that their talent has diminished. But whoever gets this guy is going to get a really good player. It's one of those things where it's talent is always going to outweigh character issues so long as those character issues aren't things that can possibly prevent you from playing i agree with you 100 percent. what do you think the up-and-coming lions are going to do with the number six pick in the draft i love what detroit's doing and i think they're one of those teams where unless you're a a packers fan or a vikings fan or a bears fan you're always kind of pulling for the lions right because they've sucked for generations you know and it, it's cool, man. It's cool seeing them on Thanksgiving every year. Just give them something. I've got them going Lucas Van Ness, uh, edge rusher out of Iowa here. And uh, he's one of my favorite players in the draft, man. He's built like an Adonis. His nickname's Hercules. 6'5", 265. I don't care that he didn't start at Iowa because of Iowa's weird experience hierarchy thing that they do where they give all the older guys the run. Van Ness is incredibly powerful. You know, he can sack a quarterback from the edge or from the interior. He had seven sacks from the defensive tackle spot in 2021. He's excellent against the run. Um, He's got to develop more of a pass rush move, pass rushing plan, and that'll come with experience. But I think with Van Ness's best football is yet to come, and Detroit's done a lot this offseason. I think this is a big, big upside pick here for the Lions if they make it happen. What are you thinking at pick number seven with the unpredictable Raiders? God, man, how many uh, how many draft day adventures have the Raiders taken everybody on? Right, imagine being a Raiders fan on draft day. Um, 
I've got him going logical here. Christian Gonzalez, quarterback out of Oregon. Um, if you look at the Raiders' depth chart, their current corners just aren't going to cut it, especially not in today's NFL. Maybe in 1982, you can just trot a couple of dudes out there and hope. You know, but it's not that way anymore. You're facing Mahomes and Herbert twice a year, and you get versatility with Gonzalez. He can line up outside. He can line up in the slot. He transcends scheme. He can be effective in any defense. I love what he brings to the table. I think he's the first corner off the board. He makes a ton of sense for uh, for Vegas. Makes sense. I love the reference back to 1982 that you can't just run two average guys out there in today's NFL. <laughs> uh, what do you think the Falcons are going to do at pick number eight? I've got him going. I think it's Tyree Wilson, edge rusher out of Texas Tech. And I think you could you could maybe swap Wilson with Lucas Van Ness. Van Ness just kind of feels more like a lion to me, a Dan Campbell kind of guy. Wilson's a freak, and this would be a great pick for the Falcons. 6'6", 270, 86-inch wingspan. That's one inch shy of Giannis Antetokounmpo from the NBA. Um, just a freak physically. He's got great speed and athleticism. It's top-notch for a guy his size as well. This is another guy, and you see this a lot now, these versatile guys that not only they're not just they're not just outside edge rushers anymore. You can line them up inside, outside. You can put them anywhere, and they can still collapse the pocket, put pressure on the quarterback. And you look at Atlanta, second to last last year uh, in sacks with 21. That's just barely over one a game. That's horrible. That's not even one and a half a game. So you have to get help on that edge if you're the Falcons. Wow, interesting. Through the first eight picks, it's mostly quarterbacks and defensive linemen. It says a lot about where the league is going. What are you thinking about the Bears at number nine? I've got them going Paris Johnson Jr., offensive tackle out of Ohio State. As an organization, they're clearly behind Justin Fields, right? If, if, if they weren't, they wouldn't have traded out at number one. They would have kept that pick, and and they could have easily taken Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, dealt fields and got a hell of a haul in return. So they're backing him. He's their guy. He's another guy you get the versatility with. Played guard for two seasons. Um, he's got great size, the ideal size you want for an offensive tackle. 6'6", 313. He's lengthy. Those long arms of his, they'll keep defenders away from his pads, away from grabbing a hold of his body so he stays in control. He's got an effective punch. Fires off the snap. He's very athletic for a dude his size. Great pass pro and in the running game because of that athleticism. He's the perfect pick to protect your franchise quarterback. If you believe in Justin Fields, don't get him hit. Take the best tackle in draft and keep him upright. Protect your investment. All right. I know you can't wait for this pick and the night of the draft. This pick can't come too soon for you unless Howie does something crazy with it. What are you thinking for the Eagles at number 10? So it's funny because everybody, Eagles Twitter and Elliot Shore Parks, especially everybody, it's B. John Robinson, right? Running back out of Texas. And I, let me just remind everybody of 1999 when the entire Eagles fan base wanted a running back out of Texas and how that worked out. Um, and how pissed everybody was when Donovan McNabb happened. Look, if you look at Howie Roseman's philosophy and track record, it's not happening in 10. Okay. If he falls to 30, Maybe. It ain't happening here at 10. It's going to be a pick in the trenches. You just lost Isaac Samalu to free agency in Pittsburgh. Andre Dillard, even though he was a reserve, he was a backup, left for the Titans. You don't have that depth there along the offensive line anymore. I've got it being Peter Skaronsky, offensive lineman out of Northwestern, who projects best as a guard, I think, at the NFL level. You know, he's got some... His arm length isn't what you want it to be for the tackle spot, but... 
He's played great at, at Northwestern for three years at tackle. Same thing happened with Rashawn Slater, who the Chargers took, and now he's an all-pro at tackle. So you never know, but he can immediately slot in at guard, and you take that vacancy that was left by Samalu at right guard, and you keep that offensive line a strength of this team, and you just made Jalen Hurst the highest-paid player in NFL history. Much like Chicago, the best thing you can do is keep your investment upright. I think Skaronsky at 10 is the pick. If both him and Paris Johnson are here, I think it's Paris Johnson. But if he's gone before that, I think it's absolutely Skaronsky. And your offensive line was was a key to your success this season. Obviously, it would be for any team, but it really enabled Hurts to develop his game. This might be a helpful pick for you because you guys threw a lot of money into Kelsey and Lane Johnson. So having another blue chip talent like that that's not that expensive is probably going to help you you know as the years go by okay so now here's what happens as a Bengal fan we watch your beloved Eagles pick at 10 and then we see all the players come off the board we see the Steelers pick we see the Ravens pick we see most of the offensive linemen go we see a a couple tight ends possibly go some corners you know there's a lot here it's like a waiting game just like it is for you guys at 30 here we are as yep. Bengal fans just waiting for 28 to come by without too much carnage happening before then. What do you think the Bengals are doing at 28? It's it's interesting, man, when I was doing this because it's like you can – the Bengals can go so many different directions and it would benefit you guys, right? You can go tight end here. It's a very, very deep tight end class. And I, I know you brought in Irv Smith Jr. You know, Hayden Hurst left, I believe, Carolina. Um, but – Having an elite tight end would obviously benefit Joe Burrow. You know, I know Jonah Williams has requested a trade, so do you go offensive tackle here maybe an Anton Harrison, DeWan Jones, somebody like that? Ultimately, what I settled on was Emmanuel Forbes, cornerback out of Mississippi State. And I went with Forbes because I think the top four here, Gonzalez, Devin Witherspoon as well out of Illinois, Joey Porter Jr. out of Penn State, Deontay Banks out of Maryland. I think they will all be gone by this point. You might have a Deontay Banks still there. But I love Emmanuel Forbes. I think partially the best-case scenario for you guys in a way is if Brian Branch, safety uh, out of Alabama, falls into Duke Tobin's lap. You know, you guys, Jesse Bates and Von Bell are both gone. At corner, you know, Cam Taylor-Britt was a gem as a rookie last year. Chidobi Awuzie, I know, is coming off a torn ACL, and you've got him and Mike Hilton. Both their contracts are up after this year. So that secondary that you guys have spent a lot of assets on, a lot of money, that was once solid, now needs some attention, right? So that's why I went with Forbes. And 6'1", 166, that weight is obviously not what you want it to be, right? Less than ideal. You'd like to see a few extra pounds there for durability, but... If you watch him play, he plays so much bigger than his size. And as an Eagles fan, I wondered the same thing about Devontae Smith when we drafted him. And he's held up just fine through two years in the NFL. So Forbes is a physical player. You know, again, watch his tape. He plays way bigger than 166. Elite ball skills. Okay, and you'll see it. That's the calling card on him. 14 interceptions in three years down in Starkville. But to make up for that lack of size that he's got, you get length, long arms. Uh, His arms at the combine measured 32 inches, so you get length there. And keep in mind, this is a guy that played in the SEC. It's the best conference in college football for a reason. And that's where he was able to hone these ball skills that we see. I think Lou Anarumo would love a guy with his versatility 
and those ball skills, and it's able to kind of, you know, depending on what happens with the Wouzier and Mike Hilton, now you have Cam Taylor Britt, and now you have another piece that you at least, if those two leave, much like Jesse Bates and Von Bell did, you at least have two building blocks as corners that you can use that you know you can rely on on the outside. Yeah, I would agree with you there. I mean, I, most Bengal fans are looking at tight end. Some are looking. I was looking at tackle. But when you bring up that point about corner and the fact that you know right now we're not in a total need for that position, but maybe in a year or two we will be. And you know, looking ahead, that could be an excellent pick for us. So now it brings us to the Eagles at thirty. What are you thinking there? I struggled with this one. I really had because this is the pick that I think. Not just me, but everybody's kind of eyeing for a trade back, right? You know how Howie Roseman loves to move and maneuver around the board. Uh, the six picks that we come in with aren't the six picks that we're going to make. That's just not – he's not just going to sit there. Ultimately, I think this pick could result in Buda Baker, who wants out of uh, Arizona. I think this could be kind of like an A.J. Brown situation from last year. I don't know. It could happen. God knows I would love for it to. You see Nolan Smith a lot. He's not making it to the 30th pick. So right now I've got uh, the edge rusher out of Northwestern, Adetomawa Itabaware. He's a hell of a player, and he's a guy that Howie Roseman reportedly loves, and this is the type of guy that he typically values very much. He didn't put up huge numbers in college, but of all the insane combine performances we've seen over the years, he put together one of the most impressive ones ever. Uh, he ran the 40 and 4.49. He's another guy. Can line up outside, can line up as a three technique. He's got that versatility that Howie loves and so many teams value. What do you think the Bengals are going to do late in the second round? And then after that, what do you think the Eagles are going to be doing? I, so it's, like I said, man, I would love to give Joe Burrow a tight end. I would. And that's that's going to happen. Duke Tobin's going to get you a tight end for Joe Burrow at some point in this draft. But I look at it like this. The tight end position, the tight end and corner are the strengths of this class. Those are the deepest positions. So you'd love to add a premier tight end, but I think you can wait until the third round and still get you a guy like you know Tucker Craft out of South Dakota State, Bretton Strange out of Penn State, Zach Kuntz uh, out of ODU, Old Dominion, who had a hell of a combine. Um these are guys that are rising up draft boards that will probably be there for you, at least two of the three in the third round. So right now, the way I looked at it, Daxton Hill needs a tag team partner. I loved that pick last year for you guys. And again, as we said, Bates and Von Bell are gone now to the NFC South. So for me, the pick is Jamie Robinson, safety out of Florida State. And aside from Brian Branch, he's arguably the most complete safety in this class. He's an awesome athlete, 5'11", 190, so good size for the position. Very, very strong tackler, which is what you want on that back end, right? Safety, the last line of defense. You don't want a guy back there that's just trying to, you know, thump dudes. You want a guy that can thump guys, but you want somebody that can wrap up too. Robinson can do that. And he played everywhere in the slot, in the box. He can play deep. He can play center field. He can do it all. So if he's there for you at the 60th pick, I like him very much to kind of form that tag team duo in the back end for you guys with Daxon Hill. Hey, I can't argue if we're going to beef up the secondary in this draft. You know, like I said, everyone's looking at tight end, but you're right. That probably is a position that you can get in the third round. And based on the two selections that you made, and I trust your judgment, there's probably not a, an offensive tackle that's worthy of that's that's a better choice as far as best player available 
than the two guys that you mentioned. So, you know, if they come out of this with a top-flight corner and a potential starting safety, I would say that's a big success for us. It's keeping, yeah, and, and you're, as we've said before, you can't, you've got to have depth in your secondary. And safety is nowhere near as important as corner in terms of positional value, but I think there's something to be said for kind of having, and this might be kind of our age and who we grew up watching, right? And look, I'm an Eagles fan. My favorite Eagle of all time is Brian Dawkins. So I'm biased when I say that a defense to me just feels different when you have that enforcer on the back end, right? I mean, we grew up, Brian Dawkins, Weapon X is an Eagles fan. You had Ed Reed, Troy Polamalu. A defense just feels different when you've got that guy on the back end. Makes total sense. They can be a game changer back there and almost like a captain of the defense in a way as well. I know a lot of times right. the linebackers are making the call, but when you have a safety back there who really knows the game, it can make a, a huge difference for a franchise. Now I feel like I am ready to enjoy the draft, and I feel like I've just read an encyclopedia, and now I'm I'm now Mel Kiper based on the information you just <laughs> given me. I appreciate Todd, you, Todd, Todd. I appreciate you doing the work for me, so I don't have to here, and, and now I can talk about the draft and sound like an expert thanks to thanks to your wisdom. And I was going to say that it is like a national holiday for you, especially, and for a lot of football fans. I mean, I, I watch every minute of the draft, all whatever. 20 hours or however long it is every year what's on the menu for food for this since it is basically like thanksgiving and christmas cheesesteaks are always night one you bust out the blackstone you do cheesesteaks um just because it's you know i'm a philly guy i have to if if i'm gonna let me just check all the stereotype boxes in one night right if i'm gonna you know my last name's o'neill if i'm gonna be i fulfill the irish stereotypes and bust out jameson and new car bombs of how he pisses me off I'm going to check the cheesesteak box, too. So that's night one. Um, night two usually ends up being an easy cleanup kind of deal um, because maybe night one got you a little weird. To your point, uh, Friday is always taken off work. Um, already had that arranged two months ago. Hey, April 28th, not going to be here. Kiss my ass. So, yeah, night two always ends up being something easy. You call it a pizza. You do something like that. Maybe a little DoorDash now, the technology we have. God, it would be great if you had that back in the day. But one of those things where it's easy, something simple, you can just get some greasy food in there to kind of just, you sit there and you you, you hope. And then Saturday, you kind of do the, the rally a little bit because you've got, that's the day it starts at noon and it goes up until 6, 7 o'clock in the evening and it's an entire day. And you know when that day ends, you're not going to get this for an entire 362 363 days again so you're trying to soak up as much as you can Corey, there is no one like you on the planet and i'm so happy to have you as a recurring guest on the show how do people find you on social media so right now uh instagram at grease pole podcast um and i'm also uh on youtube if you go to youtube and uh, look up grease pole podcast We've got NFL draft content, a whole playlist up there as well that we're going to continue to add to up to and through the draft. There's something there for everybody, not just Eagles fans. So, you know, when you do this type of stuff, I've got to tell you, hit that subscribe button. That'll do it for this episode. I'd like to thank at Bengals Highlights on Instagram, the best page out there. Really cool highlights, really cool music. Definitely something you should check out. Thank you for listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life.
unofficial Bengals podcast.